You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Right now joining us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. She's a host on Sportsnet. We say good morning to Carolyn Cameron. Carolyn, how are you? Good morning, guys. Good. Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, so now the second thing's happened in my life, Carolyn, that I never thought I'd see. Number one was uh, when Bianca won the U.S. Open, a Canadian to win a singles major championship. And number two, uh, Canada to win the Davis Cup. How crazy is that? It was crazy because it's one of those things, too, like for you and I, hardcore tennis fans in Canada, like, we always said, okay, this is a possibility. They'd been in the finals before, and we've become this kind of tennis nation internationally, not just at home. So, I mean, like, deep down, I thought it could happen, and I said it could happen, but until it actually – it's like anyone's team winning a championship, right? Until, like, you, it's seeing is believing. Until it happens, like, just keep talking. So the fact that it actually did, I'm just so happy for Tennis Canada – for all the guys, if you even just think of players who weren't there but helped Canada get to that point with Daniel Nestor, Milos Raonic, the list goes on. So it's honestly, it's so incredible. And for a casual tennis viewer, like winning the Davis Cup in the past has had Rafael Nadal in tears, right? Like this is one of the biggest wins that a tennis player can have in their career. So for Canada to be at the top um, just kind of solidifies what we've all been saying is that Canada is a tennis nation and one of the best in the world because now they are. Um, we all know that, and I know in, in our conversations on and off the air, I've always been high on Felix Ojeal-Assim because I've always thought he's a better athlete than Dennis, has that rocket of a forehand. But Carolyn, the way he's played the last four months or so, like it's shocking how much his game has elevated. Well, and that's the thing. We've all been waiting for him to kind of take that next step because I'm with you, George. Like, he's just such a clean, meticulous tennis player that it was just we all thought a matter of time for it to come together. And granted, he's only 22 years old, but he's been on the scene long enough that it was just like, why, why aren't the results coming? And he'd been in eight finals before winning his first title. So in that way, it was almost like a painful, okay, when am I actually going to get there? Um, moment. So the fact that he went on this incredible run this fall, uh, won three tournaments in a row leading into the Davis Cup too, um, I think was also a huge stepping stone for him. And between those titles, winning the Davis Cup, I have to think like a Grand Slam final and maybe a Grand Slam winner in his future pretty soon. Cause don't you feel that way though? It's just like, okay, yeah. when's this guy going to kind of get it all together? Because he was he was struggling this summer. Like he was not playing well. And I was, I was kind of concerned because I thought like all the pieces were there. How come it's not coming together? And now it finally has. But doesn't it just feel like mentally that was his biggest hurdle, right? Like getting over those jitters on big points and big matches. Cause it'd be like, what happened to you in this match? You were dominating or dominating up until like, you know, a quarterfinal in a slam, but all of a sudden, and, and we know that he lost how many finals in a row before he finally broke through. It was just a matter of just believing in himself, I think, in all this, wasn't it? Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I love tennis. I don't think it gets talked about enough in an individual sport of how much of it is between the ears. And that's why when you said like you were so surprised and impressed when Bianca won the U.S. Open when she did – that was a big part of it. It wasn't just the skill. It was that she was able to get it done on that stage against Serena Williams. 
And so the same has been for Felix Ogier-Aliassim, but the other way is that he has struggled mentally to kind of get through those big moments. And now that he has, and he's proven to himself that he can win, and even a straight sets win over Demonor, who's a really good player from Australia in the Davis Cup final on Sunday, like that's a good win. So I think he has, it's like all of us with confidence. Like once you do something a few times and prove to yourself that you're able to do it, then it just seems more plausible and possible um, down the road. So I, I just think these last, as you said, three months for Felix are huge and instrumental in, in his career and taking that next step. Carolyn, how cool is this for Vashik Pospisil, someone who was kind of the face of men's tennis for a while before Milos Raonic, before Felix, before Denis Shapovalov? I know he doesn't play in the final against Australia, but a big part in the semis and the quarters and getting Canada to the final, this has got to be a great moment for him. Oh, man, I think it's, like, for him, this would be the biggest moment, the peak of his career, because this is someone, like, We've nicknamed Mr. Canada over the years. Um, And for casual tennis fans, the way the Davis Cup works, it's similar to European soccer. So you're not always playing at the world stage, the group stage at the very top. You're relegated, and you have to fight your way back in year after year to try and work your way up. And Vashik's been there since the start. Like, he's been there since they were at the bottom and just trying to get those wins. And he's been a big reason for Canada getting those wins over the years, over the last decade plus, to move up to this world stage and be able to compete in the Davis Cup finals or even compete to get into the Davis Cup finals. So the fact that doubles was a big part of it over the course of this Davis Cup finals week last week, I think is, is great because then he was a part of the win and it wasn't just singles, but without Vashik Pospisil, Canada wouldn't be here at all. And the same can be said for Milos Raonic and Daniel Nestor too. When you think of how many doubles matches over the years was played for Pospisil and Nestor together as partners, but Vashik has just always been Mr. Reliable in international play. So it's hard, obviously to say who this is most meaningful to, But when you look at the crop of young guys who won it and raised the trophy, I have to think for Vashik, it's it's the biggest moment and undoubtedly the biggest moment of his career. So the two guys who won in singles, uh, Felix Ogialiasim and then Denis Shapovalov, 22 and 23 years old. Canada's not going anywhere when it comes to competing in this tournament moving forward. Are there any other, maybe other young phenoms that we should know about that we should maybe start thinking about in this group as Canada looks to maintain their position in these Davis Cup tournaments? Yeah, I think I'm especially looking kind of on the women's side of who's Mm -hmm. coming up next. Like Kayla Cross is a good young player, and she just um, said that she's going to go the college route, Victoria and uh, Bobway, excuse me. Um, Like there's good, really young players. There's a bit of a gap in terms of, and this sounds silly because you've got like, you're talking 22, 23-year-olds, and I'm talking about like 17-year-olds. So, For us adults, the gap doesn't seem that big, but it's not like year after year we have players coming up. But, yeah, that's it's what I said to George just before. It's like Felix and Dennis, we kind of expect so much from them because of when they broke out onto the scene. Like Dennis had that moment in 2017 at at the National Bank Open in Montreal beating Nadal. He was a teenager. Like these guys are still really young, so – I think it's probably fair to say this won't be the first Davis Cup title and there will be Billie Jean King Cup titles to come on the women's side. Um, but yeah, there's there's good young players still coming up. We're still a couple, I'd say maybe two, three years away from seeing them really 
flourish on the international stage like we've seen with Dennis, Felix, Bianca, and Layla, but they're coming. Carolyn Cameron, host at Sportsnet, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. It's the big show, Russell and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. Carolyn, Matthew Kachuk making his return tonight to yeah. the Dome for the first time since the trade. Uh, yourself and all the, all the analysts you do these shows with on Sportsnet during the broadcast, doesn't it feel like, yeah, it sucks how we left, but it doesn't feel the same the way Johnny Goudreau left the team? Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I haven't really thought of it that way. Don't you find, though, like leaving to somewhere like Florida, it just stings a little bit more? Even seeing that interview with Ryan Leslie, like he's just sitting in his backyard and it looks not like a backyard. It looks like a hotel and there's all the lawn chairs and he's just like <laughs> live, talking about the golf cart and all the sun. It's like, okay, we, yeah, everyone here in Canada, it's like not just in Calgary. It's like, yeah, 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 we get it. Um, but no, I know what you mean because kind of at least the team benefited from it. And it was done in, in that way in a very mature way. Do you think he'll get booed tonight? Like listening yeah. to it makes, last night he was in Edmonton, he was booed and he loved it, but you think he will get booed yeah, tonight? Yeah, I, I, I think there'll be a smattering of boos here at the Dome, but I think yeah. a lot of people also respect what he did with the Flames. And our resident Calgarian yeah. here, Carolyn. I, I think it'll depend on his behavior. But, yeah. but he's Matthew Kachuk. He knows he's going to do something. I think he'll be cheered early, and depending on how egregious his behavior gets, <laughs> okay. I think that the crowd could turn in a matter of three hours in a hurry. So th- this is kind of the analogy I gave last week or when I was here because I was off for a week, Carolyn. I feel like uh, the Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk situation is like this. It's like uh, Johnny Goudreau is your ex who you broke up with, and Matthew Kachuk's like the sibling of that ex who you don't talk to anymore either. <laughs> that's not bad, but you still really like them. And it's like, oh, I wish it didn't end this way, but we can still get along. Yeah, that's a good, I like that analogy. If you can use I that think, on the broadcast if you want. <laughs> you're welcome. I think that there'll be a lot of respect with the tribute. Um, and then I think you're right. Once, like, certain hits are made, then mm. there'll be some booing. Oh, it'll be fun, though. Yeah, we're, we're we're looking forward to it here. It's it's been a lot of fun so far. There's a lot of fun things on the go in the NHL. How about the run that we're seeing from Jason Robertson right now? This guy is oh unbelievable. He's on a 16 game point streak, and the Stars are fun to watch. They they can't be stopped in the Central Division. What have you made of the play at Dallas lately? Climbing all the way up the standings. Well, they they've been sensational. Even like the Winnipeg Jets in Canada and the Central don't get enough credit. But if you, I was looking at the standings this morning when I woke up and there's still just kind of some head scratchers. Like the central isn't what I expected. The Pacific is like a log jam. Like suddenly the Vancouver Canucks now are in it after a pretty good road trip and good, good wins over really good teams like the Vegas golden Knights. So the stars, the stars, it doesn't surprise me because I think we all knew that they could and should be great. It just goes to show, I think a theme in the NHL this year is what a change in coaching has done to different teams. So if you think of whether it's, and it's even though it's just the coaching carousel, like if you think of the Dallas Stars are now finding their way, well, that coach is now in Edmonton and they're doing better. Um, if you think of the Vegas Golden Knights, who I question like, oh my gosh, with these contracts and yes, these stars, are they actually going to be able to get back to their winning ways? And they have with a new coach, just as Boston has in terms of even just switching their coaches around. So those teams that like have so much talent, it doesn't really surprise me. And Jason Robertson, I think a lot of us expected he was so sensational last year that he would just continue to grow, but it just makes it more interesting 
in terms of the log jam in each division, division, specifically the Central and the Pacific, where there's so much room. Like in a week from now, some teams could feasibly be mm-hmm. out for good, and some could be in a playoff position or the other way around. So, um, yeah, it's kind of strange times. I don't know what to expect. Yeah, uh, Carolyn, uh, no, not strange times for Mitch Marner. You know, we got to mix in one leaf question for you. Um, I've had this take for a while, and I got a lot of heat from it back home on the old 590, but I do believe it because that's one thing about me. Uh, when I have a take, I generally believe it until I change my mind, but I will stick by it. I've always said that Austin Matthews is the best player on the Toronto Maple Leafs, but Mitch Marner is the most important. And now we're seeing that, especially with the 17-game point streak. Yeah, and I think, too, where he doesn't get enough credit is defensively even. And Matthews, a lot of people last year were like, okay, this is a big boy, a big body. Um, he's really good at forechecking and, and playing well at the other end of the ice. Marner has two, and that's been lost. Tavares actually made mention of it pregame yesterday in warm-ups, just how with this point streak, like no one's paying attention to how well Marner is even forechecking. And for a Leafs team where defensive, their defensive play, especially from forwards, has been an issue, especially in the playoffs, I think that's really important to note in terms of, as you said, how important a player he is for this team. And I'm impressed, too, because I saw once, especially like a week ago, Morgan Riley went down with their depleted blue line without Muzzin, without Riley, and and the list goes on, too. I didn't think like guys coming up like Mac Hollowell and Justin Hall, who struggled to start the season, I didn't think they would be a better defensive team as a whole because it's not just their blue line. It's their forwards getting it done, too. And just playing kind of like a tighter, heavier style of hockey, that is something that I did not have on my bingo card with all the injuries on the blue line. So, yeah, Marner's so fun to watch offensively, but it's I think it's worth noting just how how good he's been um, at the other end of the ice. How much did it warm your heart when he talked about his dog and being a dog dad? Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, because I love my dog so much. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. You should. So you he's going to get to eighteen. He's going to get to eighteen uh, game straight point streak just because he just added the initial of his dog on his stick. Okay, that's how so it works. Storyline. Can you swing? Can you swim around the pool of truth with us real quick? Sure. Uh, have you ever watched like? Say you did a broadcast and then like you recorded it or something and then you watched it with your dog to see if your dog would recognize you on TV. <laughs> no, but I do know that when it's when the TV has been on, when yeah. I'm on and not home, she does get a little bit confused hearing my voice sometimes. Okay, but now wouldn't that be a total like what sorcery is this? If you were sitting <laughs> beside your dog and then your dog sees you on television and hears your voice. <laughs> That's true. She's smart, too, so I don't know. I'd, maybe she mm. figured out, but maybe not. Rock her world, Carolyn. Rock her world. I think that would be great. <laughs> You're welcome for that idea. Yeah, we'll There's... see. I'll keep you posted. Okay. I don't I don't think you will, but that's okay. Uh, you're great. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, talk, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, Carolyn Cameron, host on Sportsnet. Carolyn, great stuff. We'll do it again soon. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. There's Carolyn Cameron on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar. Come and enjoy hockey and football game day specials at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Pickup and delivery also available at Atlas Pizza, 403-248-3344. We're coming to you live, by the way, oh? in the Doug Lacey Basement Systems downtown studios here. Everything basement since 1992, serving Calgary and Southern Alberta. Go. They've been serving Calgary longer than I have. Good for them. Uh, I think a lot of people actually uh, throw the station on 
for the pups and stuff like that. I know my brother turns our station really? on when he goes to work, so uh, his dog's got a little bit of chatter in the background. So good morning, Lainey. You're a very good girl. See, uh, do you think her, her her ears popped up? I bet they did. Uh, apparently, I saw her just last night. She's a very good girl. Uh, apparently, my uh, my brother's pug, Rocky. Rocky. Uh, they heard. Rocky. They, they put my show on, and all of a sudden, he was like looking around, like where where Where's, is he? I hear Georgie? him. I hear him. He was like sniffing like the speaker and stuff. He's like, what is going on here? I don't understand this sorcery. Is Rocky a big fan of yours? Uh, yeah, he's he's a yeah. He's he's a good pug. He's a good boy. He's only like two pup. years old. Oh, so, it's like yeah. Zig. They'd be great friends, my oh, yeah. little pupper. Yeah, he's uh, he's a good boy, like they all are. Oh, yeah. There's there's no such thing as bad dogs, just bad owners. It's what it is. Yeah. You know yeah. what? Put that on a poster. You're welcome. I feel like I should sew that on this something. Yeah, right beside your live, laugh, love poster above <laughs> oh, the ab- above the no back above, talking, no whatever. <laughs> Put that in your house. <laughs> During the mat. summer, it's cabin time and me time. Yeah. Oh. I'll have another wine or something yeah. lame like that. It's wine o'clock somewhere. Uh, Bill, <laughs> <laughs> Bill Lindsay, Florida Panthers radio analyst, uh, former NHL, are going to join us straight ahead. Um, I want to ask, <laughs> this, is the, this, is, this is how stupid I am. I'm, I'm very stupid, by the way. Um, I was thinking this coming back home yesterday. Mm-hmm. I want to ask Bill Lindsay about rats because allegedly there's <laughs> no rats in Calgary and how safe does he feel in this city? Because of course he was in the Panthers and they hated yeah. the rats on the ice. Yeah, they love throwing rats on the ice. Yeah, this we is don't, I we ask, don't do rats that's, here. That's the number one reason I want to ask Bill Lindsay about rats. Like, yeah, yeah, Panthers, Kachuk, blah, blah, blah. Rats. That's what I want to ask him straight ahead. <laughs> Keep those uh, Matthew Kachuk radio-friendly chirps rolling in. They're great. 960-960. Name and location. We'll read those uh, at the in the 8 o'clock hour, I think, because you guys are doing a great job. Keep them rolling in. 960-960. Name and location. Bill Lindsay next. Big Show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The Fan. It's the Big Show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960. The Fan. At the top of the hour. The franchise. Eric... Francis, Sportsnet columnist, host of the Eric Francis Show. He had DJ Powerplay on his show yesterday. Yeah, Talking sure about his did. Career. I, I didn't. I didn't hear the interview. I want to go back and listen to it. I'm gonna. I. I'm not gonna. But I would be interested to ask Eric if he learned anything new about Pat. And you know what I want to ask about it. I don't. The, I don't the franchise know too. What would his wedding DJ name be? Hmm. It's gotta be just the franchise. Hmm. Free spinning for I don't know we'll workshop it. We'll it doesn't need it. to have an adjective on it. It does. No, it doesn't. Uh, every time. No, it doesn't. Nine sixty nine sixty. It's twenty twenty two. You can stop it. You don't even need to use real letters, bro. Nine sixty nine sixty. Name and location. Your radio friendly Matthew Kachuk chirps. Panthers in flames tonight down at the dome. Joining us on the line right now, former NHLer, Panthers radio analyst on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Bill Lindsay. Bill, how are you? I'm doing good this morning. How are you guys doing? We're great. Thanks for jumping on. Okay, Bill. Uh, I didn't know. I'm new to Calgary here. I've been here a month and a half. Um, were you aware, and obviously you played for the Panthers at the height of the whole rat thing, rats flying onto the ice. Are you aware that there are no rats allegedly in Alberta? I am not aware of that fact. Uh, I grew up in Fernie, British Columbia, just across the border mm. there and played in, played in Calgary for a little bit, but yeah, I guess I never did see any rats in my time in Calgary. There you go. That's an interesting fact. There are rats. The ones we had down, the one down, the ones we that became folklore 
in Miami, they were big. They were the size of Canadian beavers. They were well fed in Miami Arena. <laughs> All right. Well, well, for for our younger listeners, like my man Matty Rose here. Sure. I'm, I'm not. I want to. I don't want to date you or age you. And Bill Lindsay, I think you look great. I think you sound great. Um, <laughs> but can you can you fill the listeners in on the on the story on how the whole rat thing came about? So we always had our practices up up north at a practice rink. On game day, we would go down to Miami Arena, and we never practiced at Miami Arena. Small dressing room down there and a little corridor tunnel to come down into the dressing room. We were getting ready to go on to the ice, and all of a sudden, so that, that corridor is that we had to walk out from our dressing room, not very wide. Players are cramped in there. A few players left in the dressing room. And all of a sudden, this huge rat just came screaming down that corridor between all the players and then ended up in the dressing room. And there was five or six guys in the dressing room. They were all jumping on their stalls. And the rat's in a mad scramble going around. And Scott Mellonby finally took matters into his own hands and decided to take a one-timer with the rat. And the rat flew across the dressing room and imploded on the wall. I, I believe, hopefully, died almost uh, instantly. Uh, Scott Malby did not have time to tape his stick or anything, so there's still a little bit of blood on his <laughs> stick and uh, rat hair, and he goes out, scored a, scored a couple of goals in the first period or a couple of goals in the game. And then after the game, uh, John Van Biesbrook, our goaltender, was asked, uh, what did you think about that performance? Well, Scott Mellonby, he told the story. The rat ended up with a rat trick instead of a hat trick with the two <laughs> goals. And <laughs> and the rat, and we, we uh, it actually put a dent in the wall. It was just old drywall in our locker room. So we went out, got a, a toy rat uh, put there, put the rest in piece, date, uh, time, everything. So we had a little, little place that uh, we could honor the rat's <laughs> memory. And then it just kind of took off. From kind of took off from. It just kind of took off from there. There were some little mice, live mice, actually, at the beginning that would end up on the ice, and that was no good. So we had to get away from that. And then the toy rats just started flying, and that's pretty much how it begun. Uh, Bill, what kind of fan are you of the team that you would actually smuggle in a dead rat? Like, what kind of what kind of diehard Panthers are you? And how much did you guys respect that on the bench? Yeah, it was crazy at the start. That whole year that everything was going on, to bring in, to, there was some respect there and also some, yeah. like, what are you doing holding on holding on to this thing for a period of time? Wait for, where, where do you have it? Do you have it, in a, do you have it in a soda cup? Or where are you trying to contain this thing? And then the, uh, yeah, I guess you have to have some seats pretty close to the ice to have the ability to, to launch it over the glass. And uh, that was that was extinguished. And, Hey, or- Orkin, the, it's a test company. Yeah. They got a great deal out of it. They got the sponsorship deal to clean up all the rats. Oh, nice. So the Orkin men and so the Orkin, or- uh, I don't know, out of all that, probably the test company Orkin down here, they probably fared the best. Uh, Bill, who was, who was most annoyed when you guys would score a goal, you have all the momentum, and then they'd have to take time to clean the ice <laughs> from all the rats? Was it guys on the bench, or was it uh, former Sportsnet legend Doug McLean? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if Doug or our whole team kind of got used to it uh, over the course of time. It, it did become a problem in the stoppages of the game, especially in the playoffs. But it played into our favor. 
uh, on the other side, the opponents, you could see they hated it. They just got scored on. Now we got to wait around to get this game going. Uh, the goaltenders, the goal, the goaltenders would hide into the net. Uh, they would just cut under there so they wouldn't get pelted with rats. The only one goaltender, and I'll give him credit, in the Stanley Cup Finals, Patrick Waugh, after we didn't score much in that series when we got swept in the finals, Patrick Waugh, when we when we did get a goal at home, he just skated through all the rats and went over to the bench and got a drink of water. He didn't get he didn't care at all if he got with rats the other three goaltenders we faced barrasso uh hextall bill ranford those guys they were all just they 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 went into the net and, and sought protection from the flying uh rats and everything that came onto the ice so there, there was a different approach but for us it it just was a theme of that season something that we were able to grasp onto and the opponents you could tell you could look over on their bench there was some visible visible visual frustration at times the Rats, it's, it's a wild story of how it came to be. It's a fun tradition. Uh, it's funny because here in Calgary, Matthew Kachuk kind of became known as the Rat King. There were shirts that were made. Brady Kachuk had one for one of the playoff runs a while back. And uh, now he's down in Florida too, King of the Rats, and obviously fitting in like an absolute glove. What has been maybe the, the most surprising thing of Matthew Kachuk's game for you now that he's 20-ish games into his Panthers career? The skill set is all world. To me, to me, the greatest compliment Matthew Kachuk you could give him that if he didn't have if if he was just an average guy and average player, he would he, he would still be one of the best fourth line guys in the NHL because of the way that he plays. So he has sort of a fourth line mentality with grit and toughness to go along with all world skill. And that's such a rare rare combination it's a unicorn around the league to to get some of those kind of players uh, brad marchand boston maybe tom wilson a player like that and you rarely see these guys change teams that's to me why bill zito went jumped off at the offer when kachuk came available because players with that kind of mentality and that kind of mindset just aren't available around the nhl that are going to be kachuk's up there in he leads. He's near the top at, at leading the league and drawing penalties. He's also up there at taking them. <laughs> so he is always in the firestorm. He's always he seems to always be in the mix of everything, whether it's offensively, whether there's a, a scrum, and it, it's infectious on a team to to bring a guy like that on board. And as I mentioned, with with guys like that, they don't they usually stay with their team a long, long time and. The opportunity came along, and Bill Zito uh, saw that opportunity, wanted it, and made the trade. And Brad Tree Living on the other side, and the Calgary side, did a pretty good job. He got a lot back for for Kachuk in the off season, and was able to kind of retool that team on the fly. We're talking to Bill Lindsay. He's the Florida Panthers radio analyst, and uh, here in here in Calgary tonight to take on the Calgary Flames. Who has maybe been some of the, the, the ideal line mates for Matthew Kachuk? Because I know he hasn't played with Sasha Barkov for a lot of the season, and Barkov also uh, currently out of the lineup with an illness. Verhege has been, been a steady on the other side on the wing, and then there's a fluctuation of centerman. The old Calgary teammate, Bennett, they, those two play the same style. They seem to have fun when they're, when they're on the ice together. And then when Barkov's in the lineup, that, that he slides up and down, but 
those are he's kind of fluctuated between those two centermen. But Verhage's been on the other side quite a bit, and those two have found some some chemistry uh, together. The power play has been a work in progress for this group, and as I said, that's with Kachuk too. Even with our centerman Lundell, whoever you want to put him with, he's going to be a complimentary piece. It just even Luo Serenin guys you could mix up and down it does not matter what Kachuk plays at first second third line he's going to have that same sort of impact but the chemistry to me Barkov and Bennett it's he seems to have a little bit more better fit with Bennett than Barkov so far but we'll see how see how it progresses throughout the season wanted to ask about the goaltending as well Spencer Knight gets to start up in Edmonton there yesterday so perhaps Sergei Bobrovsky will get the start against the Calgary Flames you got a $10 million goaltender, you got a goaltender on an ELC, and perhaps maybe the guy on the ELC has is, is been the better tendy this season. What is the situation between the pipes for the Panthers? Paul Maurice mentioned the other day, we're 20 games in, we're going to go with the guy that's playing better hockey, and we're going to let him go. And up to this point, that's been Spencer Knight. Dabrowski, good year last year. First couple of years were tough, and again this year, it hasn't been good enough for $10 million. That's the bottom line. Uh, Spencer Knight, he's going to kick in next year at around $4 million, three-year deal at $4 million. His That ELC will be done. He's signed to a contract extension. He's got all the tools, but he's still a young guy. But he's been the better of the two. And whoever, they're in a situation that all of a sudden the Atlantic with the, the emergence of Detroit, Montreal is getting better. You look around even the Eastern Conference, how tight it is throughout to try and get in the playoffs. You cannot just sit around and hope, okay, well, maybe Bobrovsky's going to get hot and we're going to kind of ride him and go through some rough patches. That's done. If Spencer Knight's better, he's going to play. And at this point, Spencer Knight's been better. He was good in the game against Edmonton. Edmonton played really well last night, 40 shots on net. Spencer Knight is going to continue to grow in confidence. If it trends this direction, the way that it's heading now, Bobrovsky's going to end up being the backup. Bill, wanted to ask you about Jonathan Huberto. A lot of hand-wringing going on right now in Calgary. We know that the guy was a, a, an incredible point producer for the Panthers last season, but so far in Calgary, just hasn't looked like the same guy. Uh, c- can you please just settle down the people of Calgary here, what you've seen from Jonathan Huberto and what you expect from him as a Calgary Flame? He does have to. He's he does have to find the chemistry with. He's an all-world passer, so if you get him with guys that he feels comfortable with, and he's able to 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 get guys in motion, that's probably the biggest thing. You saw him on that first line didn't work out, and Ruzitska gets called up. He plays well, and all of a sudden he's with on that third line, Backlund and Coleman, which are two really good players. But to me, when Huberto, it's it's maybe getting those extra points with on the power play and then starting to produce at even strength. His passing is elite. It's it's to me it's he's top five in the in the game at being able to pass, facilitate the puck. So we've got to be get him with guys uh to get there and the confidence, the skating, when I watch Huberto play this year, it's it's when you watch him, it's about moving his feet. When he's moving his feet and he's going, you're gonna see a successful Huberto. When he's when he's gliding, coasting, kind of stagnant at times, he's going to struggle. And he he went from this high octane group last year that was just go 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 go, and he was surrounded with all kinds of talent 
And I played for Daryl Sutter in San Jose. I know that he expects the systems and what he does defensively. So watching Huberto, there's probably the transition to Calgary. There's too much maybe thinking his game instead of reactionary. When he gets to the point where it's all reactionary, then you're gonna you're gonna see the uptick in Huberto. It might take some time, some adjustment, and you would expect that going to a new team. But just pay attention throughout the course of the year when it looks more reactionary and those passes are getting off and he's finding the open man and he's creating scoring chances. That's that's uh, and then the power play starts to click at a little bit better rate. He starts to get some extra points on the power play and the confidence starts to go up. It it'll be there. He's he's elite. You don't score 115 points like he did last year and just turn into a guy that's that's not capable of putting up at least a point a game in this league. There'll there'll be a turnaround in Jonathan Huberto's season at some point in Calgary where it starts to click and it starts to go in the right direction. One of the things that we haven't seen a ton of here in Calgary is Mackenzie Weger on the power play, something that he did a little bit more when he was in Florida. What made him good on the power play and why he might be another asset that maybe the Flames could look at here to improve what they're getting from maybe a second unit? Yeah, that's interesting. To, his, uh, if you actually look back, he got some power play time, but it was second power play time duty here in, in Florida. That's a a place that I thought going to Calgary that maybe he would put, be put on that first unit. You look back over the last couple of years and 40 points around that 40 point mark, 35 of those points are coming, coming at even strength for Uyghur. He He drove offensively five on five play better than anyone in the NHL. To me, he, he, and because of our offense and because of our forwards, just pushing the play and he's got this skating ability to be that extra layer on the rush but he never really got a, a true chance to, to quarterback a power play. And I thought maybe going to Calgary, if he was on that number one power play unit with Huberto, you could see a 60 point, 60 point defenseman. And it kind of hasn't worked out that way for Uyghur and the five on five production isn't what we've seen from them. So that's the two, if I'm what you're seeing from Huberto and Uyghur that you did, that you're, that we saw in Florida is you can throw out all the power play stuff and all that, but those guys were re- really able to drive the pace, make it quick, make it fast. Uh, and to me, that, that speed and that pace and that tempo that they were used to playing at, we just, you haven't seen it from Uyghur or Huberto this year, but, but it's there. Uh, Uyghur is a guy that, that needs to be up in the play, being that extra guy on the rush. And again, maybe it goes back to the systems, just trying to figure out what Daryl wants defensively and where where he wants to be in the right place and you're trying as a player once you start to me once a player once you start to think and it's and you're not really just going with your instincts it it takes a while to overcome that but he it's you'll it'll improve that's I guess if you're from a Calgary standpoint what have you seen from Hubro and what you've seen from Uyghur They've they've got more to offer. There's more to offer, and there has to be more more to offer. You expect more from them. If that Calgary team's going to push and be in the playoffs, you you have to look directly at those two guys. After the first 20 games, the next next 20, you have to see improvement. And then the second half of the season, once the everything all the systems are in place, you're used to your new guys. If you don't see an uptick in the last 40 40 games in the second half of the season then you've got disappointment and you've had bad years from those guys. And that's what you really don't want to see happen. 
Bill, we talked about uh, a little bit of down memory lane about how the Rats came to be, but I was just wondering what you remembered from that 1999-2000 season when you played for the Calgary Flames, when it was uh, the young guns, as they were dubbed here in Calgary, and Joel McGinley was kind of getting his teeth wet, we or his feet wet. We had Robin Regeer coming into the league as well. Um, what did you make of uh, that season? What do you remember from that year here in Calgary? Yeah, coming over for me from I'd spent a long time in Florida, and to me coming to to Calgary, as I said, I grew up there. That was the closest place I could play to home. So there was an excitement level for for myself coming there. And you mentioned again, Mark Savard was on that team. He was just starting to take off. Marty St. Louis was my fourth line centerman when I played there. Marty was probably looking back. Uh, Jerome McGinley, I have all the respect in the world for that guy. Uh, and Regeer and the way that he played but those guys were you could see that the talent was there starting to blossom and to me to go to that team it it was a bad year for me transition wise didn't play near to the level that I that I expected myself to play at and it was an opportunity coming from a trade maybe for myself to to kind of really push and never got to the level that that I expected myself to be at so it was kind of disappointing from from my own personal perspective, but mm. from the other side of it, with some of the players that I got to, to see there and to see where, where their trajectory was headed, it was a, it was a treat in that locker room. It, it was filled with some really, really t- talented guys that you knew were going to have some huge impacts throughout the course of their career. Uh, Bill Lindsay, Florida Panthers radio analyst, former NHLer. Uh, Bill, enjoy the call tonight and rest easy that you won't see any rats down at the dome. Okay. <laughs> All right, thanks. Have a have a great day and uh, enjoy the game, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks very much. There he goes, Bill Lindsay on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Dine in, pick up, or have your game day special delivered. Find out why Atlas Pizza is a 14-time Consumer Choice Award winner. 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast, or call 403-248-3344. Flames and Panthers tonight. Mm. The return of Matthew Kachuk down at the Dome. These texts are awesome. Keep them rolling in. 960, 960, name and location. Your radio-friendly chirp of Matthew Kachuk. Some of these are absolutely fantastic. Kind of wanted to touch on a quick story here. And uh, producer uh, Alex Brody, you can weigh on this. Apparently, uh, Canada is looking into some banners uh, that were uh, waved around by Croatian fans in their match on Sunday. Okay. So, uh, Milan Boron... Okay. The Canadian keeper. Sure. He was born in Croatia, but he's of Serbian descent. Okay. So uh, there were um, fans uh, in Croatia um, having banners saying Kinnan 95. He grew up in a little town in Croatia, was born there, Kinnan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's he. they fled because Serbs had to get out of Croatia with the ethnic cleansing that was going on during that time, and uh, a lot of Croatian fans were waving those banners towards Milan Boran, who's a uh, a Serbian guy who plays for Red Star Belgrade, plays for Canada's national team, loves Canada, moved here with his family, found a safer, better place to live, and uh, the Croatian fans are giving to him. So now apparently the Canadian Soccer Association is looking into some sort of penalty for Mm. the Croatian team because their fans were uh, hurling ethnic racist insults at the Canadian keeper. Don't love that. No. Um, you know what? At some of these tournaments, it brings out the absolute worst 
in some of these country to country matches. Yeah. Uh, just just the worst. Do you want to hear the worst now? Sure, hit me with one. Uh, yeah. According to uh TMZ Sports from a report from CNN. Uh-huh. Again, sources. Um apparently uh today's Iran United States match. Clearly there's just a little bit just like you know when the honey honey nut cheerio bee comes on and like hits the the honey on the like, just a little bit. A little There's blue. a little bit of geopolitical undertones with this Iran United States match today. Is there? Yeah. Uh, apparently, according to a World Cup security source, uh, members of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard met recently with the country's players to get a point across. If you protest or do anything, uh, or if you don't behave, violence and torture could be waiting your families back home. Hmm. No pressure no if pressure you're an Iranian anything. soccer player yeah. today against the United States. So let me make this straight. We can't protest about the horrendous treatment of women back in our home country. Otherwise, uh, our family will get tortured. Cool. Right on. Great. No pressure. Yeah. Feels like a really fair type of situation yeah. for me. It's, it's yeah. soccer. Yeah. Like this is, is a game, guys. This is a game once again. Yeah. This is a game. Oh, and, and doubling down on the point of uh, Iran. Apparently, they have spotters from the government in the stands uh, taking photos of women who are supporting Iran because in Iran, it's illegal for a woman to go to a soccer match. Oh, really? Yes. <sighs> Archaic. You think? Archaic. So I know... Uh, Stone ages. There isn't too many fans of uh, the United States. And again, if you're if you're Iranian descent and you're, and you're in this country, that's great. Uh, it's just, it's, it's terrible what's going on back home. Like it is, it is absolutely terrible. And when you hear stories like this, it's hard. And it has, this has nothing to do with the players too. That's nope. the problem too. They just want to go soccer. They didn't sing the anthem in their opener with solidarity with women back home. And that was very brave for those guys to actually do that. Yeah. And now they've been warned, apparently, according to CNN, don't do anything stupid. Otherwise friends and family can get hurt back home. That is just so abhorrent. It is so disgusting. It's so gross. You just want them potentially out of the tournament. Yep. But then you 100%. also feel bad for the players who have nothing to do with this whatsoever. Yep. And it's so gross. They're not the only ones. They are not the only ones. All right. Uh, straight ahead, the franchise. Eric Smith. Uh, Eric, I keep calling him Eric. I want to call him Eric Smith. Eric Francis. Eric Smith. Raptors, Raptors radio analyst. Yeah. Sorry. It's in my brain. Mm. Talked to him many times. Uh, third hour with the franchise, and then we'll wrap things up with uh, your radio-friendly Matthew Kachuk chirps. These are fantastic. Keep them rolling in, 960, 960, name and location. One more hour to go. Big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.